0: Uh, all right,
1: welcome uh, to the AutoWeek podcast. It's the podcast that AutoWeek does uh, here at AutoWeek. Uh, I'm Rory. I'm the publisher of AutoWeek, and directly across from me is Mike Prison, the <laughs> motorsports editor. Next to him, Jimmy Palazzari. Say hi, Jimmy. Hi, everyone. And hi, then- Jimmy. Robin Warner, managing editor. Oh. <sighs> How's that job going? How's managing editor going?
2: I'm managing it. It's okay. Are you? Yeah, I think so. That's not what I, I mean, you tell me more <laughs> than not anything. not what I've heard.
1: So we're going to talk, uh, <laughs> as we do every episode, um, we're going to start with the six-pack um, of motorsports. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, something that happened, it seems like two years ago, three years ago maybe, Le Mans uh, over in France, the big race in France that we all know. We were uh, – Robin was there? Yes. I was there. Mike, did you You were not there. I was not there. I was I there looked, last year. Right.
3: Same teams were there. So
1: Well, actually, no. Oh, lacking. No, lacking. actually, uh, there were a couple they notable coming, absences yeah. from...
3: Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. That's why Toyota won. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I think Toyota won because they had the fastest car there this year. Well, they had
3: the fastest car there last oh, year, Oh, you're right. right. Yeah. yeah, they were good in short stretch. Um, so. 24 hours, it's kind of...
1: But... Um what was it? you watched it on TV price and you oh, watched yeah. all 24
3: hours? Uh no Thereabouts. just just short just short of yeah. 24. Yeah and Jimmy I uh, watched
0: a uh, a a large amount of it.
2: Well you watched some of it at uh the local cars in Corktown.
0: That's right. Uh, at Thomas I McGees? Did. Am I saying that? Right? Uh no we actually we did it at uh the factory over in Corktown. Yeah
2: but
1: then you went to Thomas McGees,
0: right? And Then I went to Thomas yeah. McGees for So
4: the
1: later yeah, that's Corktown. I'm sorry yeah after the after party. Did it. Was, any of the AutoWeek staff have to be carried out of Thomas McGee's this year?
0: Uh, n- Jimmy, no one. Had um, to be someone's pointing at you. <laughs> out. Uh, He's pointing at me. It, you were the the guy this year. Uh, you know, I had a good time. Good. Uh, uh, well, he, you work hard. You deserve it. It's it was it was fun. You know, I had a had a few drinks. Watched uh, watched the cars. What were you drinking? Uh, I was going in between um, Guinness uh-huh. and Shirley uh, Temple's shots of a variety of whiskeys that was from Eric. Uh, su- suggested. Uh huh. Was that good? Uh yeah, it was great. It's how actually, was your? It's a it's a great way to to watch a race.
1: Was uh? How was Sunday morning?
0: Oh, it was great. Good. Yeah, survived yeah. it. Yeah, woke up. Uh, you know, watched the end, watched the last couple hours. Uh huh. Um, which was good. You know, I mean, I. I remembered watching you know, when Toyota broke down famously uh-huh. on like the last lap. Yeah. Um you God, know, that was and so even You know, and in like feeling that tightness, you know, and like yeah. I actually I actually got a little emotional. Well that and, was know, I felt <laughs> that I felt was literally, literally the really last bad lap for those yeah. guys. It was literally the last and so, lap. Yeah. Even though Toyota didn't have, you know a whole lot of competition this year, um, you know, I was happy to see them, yeah. see them win. Well to, to that and, forever.
2: Toyota, Toyota, the winning car beat, um, which was the number eight car, beat the number seven car by two laps, but the lean, leaning, weeding car, that's a the, word, beat anyone that isn't a Toyota by 12 laps. Uh-huh. They basically had 40 minutes on uh, the rest of the competition. The next, it was a very
1: yeah. spread out race this year in every class. I mean, the, the LMP1 class was very spread out. LMP, whatever happened with the appeal for uh, G-Force? The guys who won LMP2, they I, I know they were disqualified, and then they were they're appealing.
3: still listed as disqualified on the website. Oh as boy! Of this, as yeah. of this morning, you know, a couple weeks after the race, so it's uh, they're they're disqualified. <sighs> they're not even what uh, did they end? Up, what was the thing? You generally
2: remember? speaking, they that's a big hurdle to get the FIA to change sure. their minds. Yeah, to yeah, appeal. yeah. They but their their uh, issue was they found a non-compliant fuel delivery. Mm portion so they were right, able yeah. to refuel faster than they were allowed to oops oops yeah, yeah and i think rules. they were saying no that's not true we weren't refueling faster but you know they but how
3: how was that discovered after the race it probably oh yeah post the, yeah post-race scrutiny that's yeah. that's pretty common but it, it seems strange i mean it was like you said the way it, it, it sounded like it was the, the, the delivery of the fuel yeah, I mean, did they have to go test how fast the fuel was going I, I'm in? Pretty I'm pretty sure. No, that, no, no. It was the part was non-compliant? So yeah, they had like measurements
2: a, for all these parts, and one of the parts didn't. It was meet like the, the neck yet. or something was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Too flowy.
0: So, <laughs> but but the race itself <laughs> though, yeah. I I thought it's it was too, interesting. Too flowy. <laughs> My neck is too flowy. Very common.
1: Uh, what were you saying, Jimmy? So Sorry.
0: well, I just you know, and we had kind of talked about it a little bit, but I thought the the race was interesting because it reminded me more of like a like when you think of like a classic Le Mans race, like those kinds of gaps between winning cars or other cars. Pretty common historically. Yeah, it was pretty common historically and really only in the last like 10 years or so is when you had those crazy, you know, door-to-door sprint races between two or three teams from start to end. And it kind of, you know, and I think that that kind of is taken away from the whole Um, you know, like you're there to, sure, you're there to beat the competitors and prove that your car is faster and more reliable, you know, at that competitive speed. But at the end of the day, you know, it's still surviving those 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that really takes away from what Toyota accomplished too much. Well,
2: and you're surviving, I have to say, throw a number out here. You're surviving for over 24 hours while doing laps. That is an average speed, an average speed above 150 miles an hour so it's crazy fast
1: laps you're saying
2: right a, a single lap the average speed of that lap is over 150 miles an hour
1: and that's a one um one time around the track that's considered a lap. right
2: so if you do uh, the pole time of the toyota which was like three minutes 18 yep. seconds so from
1: the start then you go all the way around yeah and you come right back to the come beginning. right back that's to where, that's where the you
2: were yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's one then uh, you take that three minutes eighteen seconds and divide that by eight and a half miles, oh, or on. eight and a half miles divided by that. And now hold on, it's a big fast number. Uh uh-huh.
1: um, I I do. I mean, it, it was cool. This is my first time at Lamar. Um, it was very very cool to see. Uh, the environment uh, is like nothing else I've ever experienced. Um, super crazy. Uh, ex- you know, just a totally mind blowing something. I'm still kind of trying to process. It did, uh, you know, it it did kind of feel like we missed uh, maybe a golden era, you know, like I missed uh, the Peugeot Audi battles. I missed the uh, Toyota Porsche battle uh, in that top class. Um, It, you know, this this was certainly like the least competitive Le Mans across all the classes, I think. In recent years, probably in fifteen-ish years, maybe, um, or since since Audi ran by themselves, certainly,
2: Um, certainly in the hybrid era,
1: and there just and there wasn't that you know even last year um, there was a great GT battle uh, between Aston and Corvette that came down to the final moments. This year, you know, the RSRs Porsche RSRs just totally outclassed the field. Well, Um, that
2: that was fascinating though because it's been a few years in a row that gte pro has been remarkable racing mm-hmm. for 24 hours and this time around 911s seem to have a clear advantage over the rest yeah. of the field and you were with porsche and you said yeah. you noticed a lot of work going on in yeah, the background so
1: they it seemed like um well obviously they brought 10 cars i think uh, they brought four in the GTE Pro and six AM cars were RSRs. And they're, they're all RSRs. So they were all um, the hot mid-engine 911. I think the they said the AM cars were carrying an extra 10 pounds and they were down 10 horse or 10 uh, kilos. So however much that is. 22 pounds. Uh, 22 pounds? Mm-hmm. Well, wow. I thought it was like 400 pounds. 10 For kilos. 10 kilos? Yeah no because when you see a kilo in other circuits it's like a <laughs> bale you know it's like a hay bale like a right yeah it's like a bigger amount yeah but it's, i guess it's lighter
2: right it's 44 pounds 10 i'm sorry 22 pounds 10 kilos
1: 22 pounds okay yeah um th- thank you for uh i'm glad you're here with the measurements today robin <laughs> <laughs> really?
2: i'm i'm glad you're here to follow we, up we, with more um, questions we need the visualizations in, yeah. in hay. Is, is yeah already, you know
1: um anyway so what's heavier a pound of hay or a
2: kilo of hay <laughs> a kilo of hay that's, what's heavier hey hey come on. All right. okay all right
1: so imagine a kilo Uh-oh. of hay uh-huh. and that's bigger than
2: the pound of hay yeah, yeah. i get it yeah
1: i get it okay, okay. but thank you though thank you. uh so anyway yeah. so uh but yeah porsche um did not bring an LMP one car this year, um, but they did, it looked like bring most of their LMP one operation to run the, the GTE pro cars. Um, the, the suite, uh, above the pit box, which is normally executives eating, uh, Wiener schnitzel and, um, uh, and kind of hanging out was just wall to wall computers, um, with all the, the data guys from the LMP one program. Nice. Um, I don't, you know, they came to win and they, they, um, it's their 70th anniversary. They had their two, um, Rothman's cigarette, uh, livery car and the pink pig liveried car. Um, that's Rothman cigarettes. Uh, the choice in cigarettes for me, my, one of my favorite brands. Uh, I smoke them. Uh, the wife smokes them. Kids smoke them. Uh, we all love them. Rothman cigarettes. How many packs a day is Marriott?
0: Uh, she's about two and a half, I'd say. Okay. Uh, yeah. But she only weighs. She's all young. Yeah. It's, sense, yeah. yeah, it's a solid starting. Um, but that was uh, and that's the, the Rothman cigarette Porsche. Yeah, that's correct. It's oh, uh, is that what it is? Yeah, the oh,
1: okay. a lot of there was some confusion because they they didn't have the Rothman's uh they typeface have, on. They
0: left that sticker in the truck. Yeah, but it was definitely
1: a cigarette livery that I noticed. Uh, made me really want to smoke the whole time. Um, I was there, but I didn't end up smoking much. I did uh, end up watching much of the race. Uh, I, I did some walking around, got to see some things, um, got up to the Porsche Curves. I think next time I'd like to spend more time walking around in the woods. Um, but uh, I got to hang out with Hurley Haywood. Um, Derek Bell was there and, and some of the, the all-time greats. Jackie Ix was there. Which is pretty jackie Ix played a big role. Actually, you know, he was like grand marshal
2: He was at yeah. the parade the day before he was doing a lot of stuff. Yeah,
1: he was at one point I was sitting in the Suite not to be a name dropper here, but uh, you know, you're sitting there talking to Hurley Haywood and uh, Derek Bell's walking around and Jackie X is to your left and Mark Webber's in there uh, in front of you it, like it was a Totally surreal situation for me as someone who's only watched Lamont on TV did, you know what's you, so
2: funny about that I actually heard Mark Weber on a podcast the other day and he about, was like yeah.
0: it was so weird he's like Rory Carroll yeah. was
2: there yeah, and yeah, he yeah, was yeah. talking wow. he's like I felt like I
0: was going to say did you feel like you know you were you were there with them or you were no, just kind of No, uh, no I
1: didn't. I felt super out of place. Super like kind of like invisible. it was like uh, <laughs> all these people who have done stuff and then there's just me.
3: Are you sure they're not they're not the ones that were feeling out? No, I I'm, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were like uh, who's yeah, this wow, asshole? I came in all the way from Detroit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah where you'd be talking someone would come talk to Hurley and they'd just keep looking at you like who, who's this asshole? <laughs> like uh, <laughs> uh It's
2: a it you're right though. That
1: looks big for a race
2: driver. Lamar is just a crazy huge place and you know I went I went the other direction. I went from start finish, and I walked up past Dunlop curves uh-huh. and onto the corner there. Yeah, yeah, I went up there too. Uh, uh, rotor Tetra, I think it is. Uh, tetra Rouge. Ro- tetra Ruse. Thank yeah. you. That's much better. And or Rotor Tetra. <laughs> you uh, know, the I think in it's rotor, in the native. It's Rotor Tetris uh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, Rotor Tetris. That's and the, there was you know this huge outdoor concert stadium. There were full blown restaurants, like not stands, but restaurants and big tents. Yeah. Tons and tons
1: of camping. I had, I went to one of those restaurants. I tried to order a salad and they're like, we don't have any salads left. And I was like, what do you have? And they had this, uh, this is of course in perfect French that I speak. Uh, 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 So the, they were like, we have these pork knuckles, you know, like a, like a whole pork pig leg. Just, I baked, I don't know if it was baked or whatever, but it's just all fat and tendons and stuff. It was delicious.
0: Uh, But it was like, you know, easily like a pound of a leg. That's kind of what you want. Like when it's two in the morning and you're wandering around a racetrack. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was,
1: I mean, it was, I was trying to be responsible with the salad, but I'm glad it didn't work out.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I still think about how grisly that
1: was.
2: But I mean, around Le Mans, there's several farms. Uh There's countless amount of camping. There's a golf course. Yeah. And not like any motor speedway where there's a fuel holes of a golf course. No, there's an entire golf course and that's just at the corner. Yeah. And you know, you have all these long places you can go big, long walks you can take and you're only covering at best a quarter of the track. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's an airport just on the outside of it. Yeah. We flew right into there. Yeah. It's crazy how much, you can do at one location just because of the sheer size of the
1: place. Did you go up in a helicopter at all?
2: I did. I did a lap of the track in a helicopter. I timed it and it was roughly the same lap time that a GTA GTE AM can do.
1: So we we were um we did the same thing. Helicopter uh, cut corners though, to be fair. Yeah it was cheating. Um but the didn't take the chicanes. The was- the two things that blew my mind being in the helicopter, uh was a being a helicopter? No, uh, looking down and seeing the length of the Mulsanne.
2: Oh, it's crazy. Three point seven miles. It's
1: absurd, and the fact that they used to run that without chicane's yeah. is, until pretty recently. Yeah, I mean, in a relative sense, is just fucking mind blowing. I mean, it's just like the idea of accelerating down that down that straight, and like, like you could get bored accelerating down that straight at two hundred miles an hour. You yeah, could, like it's like it's a long ass drive. And then um, the other thing was was coming onto the straight, and even with the chicane's, uh, the LMP2 cars were just running away from the helicopter. And like I'm sure the helicopter was not at like maximum speed or whatever, but like just running away. Yeah, the, I
2: mean even the even the GTEAM cars. I mean they're probably you're probably looking at super rough estimates here. Uh-huh. You know, two twenty for the LMP ones, one ninety two hundred for the LMP twos. 175 185 for the gte cars uh-huh. that's still way better than the helicopter you do the helicopter maybe at 120 yeah. at best so yeah that's
0: still that still a helicopter. you know i mean a i'm i'm insanely jealous of all of you for for going to that because you know like i mean growing up watching the race or the movie or whatever mm-hmm. the you know like my idea of, of like going to La, my perfect Lama would have been like rolling out of a camp uh-huh Not having slept for like four days and like having a bottle of wine and uh, in like a baguette or something.
5: I
2: wasn't, you know, but I wasn't too far from that. (laughs) What I, you slept in a storage container. Yeah, I was, I was basically in a storage container that was uh, divided into thirds. And I had this like eight foot by six foot foot cubby space Uh that was literally a 15 minute walk from my bed to the, start finish grandstand cool. it Good. was crazy and we stayed but, in
3: uh, a, we stayed in the the soccer stadium that's oh I'm yeah oh yeah, yeah. The soccer stadium, they call it right? a football stadium they, over oh, there. oh sorry yeah well <laughs>
1: what is that place called i, I drove by it too. yeah i yeah. don't remember
3: but but what they did was they turned all the the inside of that stadium the all the suites and stuff they uh-huh. turned into cubbies yeah and we all stayed in that uh, see that uh, was, that but was one
0: of the other but just to get back to the the most yeah, on really say, quick yeah. uh you know like we're looking at, like, the new cars and the speeds that they're hitting and talking about how crazy those are. Yeah, the old cars are faster. I mean, what, the fastest one was, like, 250, something like that? I think 270 on the straight. 270? Yeah. It was the yeah. uh, the friend, the one-off French car. They basically just built the car just, For the to, straight. just yeah. to go fast and then it broke. But, you know, like, imagining going down the straight at 235, 240, 245 in a car that's literally skating around on the road yeah. is, I mean, that's just... Like that's what Le Mans means to me, you know, and it still carries over to today's racing though, you know, and, and, you know, how you could be even with the chicanes, you know, cause we know that if they took the chicanes out, they could
1: 300 miles an hour, you
0: know, they could make those cars go yeah. plenty fast. I'm sure it would completely change the way that they actually race the race, but, um, you know, just showing what an event that race is and what a cool thing it is. For the drivers in the cars to be doing, you know, I, I, and I think yeah. that's kind of what I was trying to get at with the with the lack of the door to door type stuff is that
1: it's almost secondary to.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, two hundred and fifty-two miles an hour. Uh, the yeah. research department. And where were you we on that one, Robin? With your facts <laughs> and figures, two fifty-two. That's pretty close. Yeah. But Roy, How did much you that in kilometers? Seven thousand kilometers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. It
2: would be kilometers per hour. And yep. it would be around 400.
1: 400.
3: Club. Roughly. Thank you. Roy. the day after the race, did you happen to pick up any of the local media? Did you see in the newspapers? No. Did, what, what What I was... Did I do something? No, no, no. no. But okay. what I was blown away when I went uh, last year was that we saw a great GT battle, battle. last yeah, year. Yeah. And yet the LMP1 was a, you know, a virtual blowout last year, and it wasn't really that competitive. I mean, the LMP2 drama was there for a little while. Could an LMP2 drama? But anyway, the next day in the newspapers, it was interesting to see how little they care about the GT class over there. Right. Even though that was the best racing. Right. It was the door-to-door, the wheel-to-wheel, you know, almost to the end. But the next day, you have to go to page three or four to yeah. find the little blurb on, the, oh, these guys won the GT yeah, race. Some others. So. And it was, you know, yet over here, we went with the best races, you Yeah, know, we get c- caught up in that. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And,
2: you know, we, uh, both you and I got to spend some time in the uh, Corvette racing garage. Oh, yeah. That was super cool. And that was a, that was a lot of fun. Oh, I got to tell you my brake fact. Go ahead. I got a Corvette racing fact. Go ahead. Okay, there's a fax line right over here. So it was really cool because it was not just being able to see them operate and all that kind of stuff, but it was so fascinating to see the difference between how closed and controlled Toyo- Toyota was. Yeah, they was the did not let yeah. anything slip no, through the cracks. No. Porsche was very Couldn't controlled. Smoke in there. Yeah. <laughs> But Corvette was like, not even the wrong yeah, come on yeah, in, whatever. And if things get really hectic around here, we'll something bad, we'll we'll yeah. we'll nudge you back a little bit. But I was in there at you know whatever it was, six thirty, seven in the morning. I took video of a pit stop that they did, mm-hmm. you know, and I was I don't know fifteen feet away from the guys that were refueling in mm-hmm. the car and checking it out, and it was just a completely different atmosphere, and it showed, I think, a nice you know difference in the cultures sure. as well.
1: Yeah, I think. Um so the, the interesting brake fact that I found out that I was so excited about this. Um I think uh the Corvette guys were saying so now this year you can work on the car while you're fueling. So you have roughly 35 seconds to do something to the car. Uh they figured out they can change the brakes, front brakes, the whole assembly, rotors, uh calipers, the whole deal. In 25 seconds. And I was like, how do you do that? Because, 10 snips and baling wire. Yeah, well, you know if you've done brakes before that uh, you got to bleed the brakes. And I was like, oh, how are they pressurized? Like, how is this happening? But what happens is the the whole thing, the rotor, is a single unit. Um, and the caliper is mounted to this rotor unit. Uh, and it obviously pinches the, the rotor. Um, and then there's, uh, some, some holes in the center of it where they bolt it up to the hub. And then there's a, it's called a dry brake uh, fitting, Yeah, uh, we we're looking at these, uh,
0: you can purchase them online. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, which I, I recommend doing, uh, no, <laughs> it's a dry brake, And I guess they're used a lot in farm tractors too, um, where they unscrew and they're, they're kind of self pressurized but they don't allow any air to enter the system when you unscrew them, um, which is how they can change the brakes without bleeding them instantly. Porsche was doing the same thing. All It uh, looked like all the GT guys so how, how the did the same thing.
2: how does the brake system stay on the hub? Is it, is it the same five lugs that yeah. hold the wheel in?
1: Yeah, no, it's a different lugs. different. So you take the wheel off, bop, 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 take the wheel off, and then you take four more, I think, uh, out of okay. the center uh, for the brake assembly. But that was really cool. And that was like that was something that's like such a great example of Lamar tech and like Lamar ingenuity where it's like, um, you know, okay, we've got 35 seconds. What can we do that will improve the, the right. car in that 35 seconds? Um, really a neat innovation. I mean, obviously like anyone, this is totally ridiculous. You would never need this on a street car cause you change your brakes every five years or whatever. But anyone who's ever done a brake job, Man, what a fantasy to be able to just like pull that whole thing off, unclip it, <laughs> I, put it right yeah. back on. Something I, I, tells I sp- me those would cost uh, a little bit more than I standard rotors. I, yeah, yeah. I spent <laughs> half a day in a
2: waiting
3: room watching a guy play all my braces yeah. here a couple weeks ago. I was yeah. like, "Yeah, give me, give me sign
0: Gosh, up for if that." Only, stuff. If only I were at Lama, this would have been done in ten seconds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and but you know,
2: I think what you're talking about and those things it just gives you a deeper understanding of how much is going into that race and you you know you see at the surface level it's like oh the cars are going fast and whatever goes on for 24 hours but there's so much work that goes into it and it's really incredible to see and also the corvette racing guys you know that car is effectively unchanged since the 2014 season old old buggy and you know the way it's that's what's really fascinating to me and at times frustrating is the whole balance of performance weight because uh porsche's car is pretty darn new aston martin's car is brand new and obviously the Ford GTs are pretty new, but uh, it's all about balance of performance. Because last year, as you said, it was Aston Martin versus the, Corvette, and that car was 15 years old.
1: But the the Chevy's got a little bit of a break this year. They were carrying a little bit less weight. They got a little bit more power. Um, but there was nothing. I don't think that you were going to do balance performance wise to get them up there with the RSRS this year. I mean, it was it was there were. Well,
2: but the but the point is, you know, they could have. Yeah. I mean, they they could have if they wanted to. Um, but you know, part of it is, you know, trying to be fair to a certain extent, but then as you said, if Porsche is literally bringing an army of engineers, yeah. well, maybe that's not a good use of literally, they're bringing a lot of engineers. No, it's a
1: literal army. I think No.
2: <laughs> you know, that, that's really hard they to overcome. Guns.
1: Uh, it was pretty Well, there's that. a lot of guns over there. Yeah. there were a lot of guns. Over Wheel there. guns. Yeah. A lot anyway, of strange guns that I'd never yeah, seen before.
2: It, it, it's, it is definitely a worthy bucket list item, though. Yeah, you go no, to absolutely do it. And I, check it all out. I oh, think
1: it, if I were to do it again, um, you know, I, I slept in a chair like a grandpa. Um, and then I actually uh, realized that, like, people. Like, uh, Hurley Haywood and a bunch of other people had been in the same room with me for like two hours while I was sleeping with my mouth open, like an idiot. Uh, <laughs>
0: they're watching you drool. Once, once yeah. again, <laughs> they're going, it's okay. It's all right. It was Roy. Car- he, that's yeah, okay. He's not really, want, he's not one of us. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Really. Don't,
1: don't look at him. Don't, uh, don't feed him anything. <laughs> uh, I would, I think, it, it, you know, from a bucket list, if I go back, um, I'd like to spend more time in the woods. I'd like to maybe camp, uh, maybe do like more of a fanny type experience. The Porsche thing. As you'd imagine, is incredible. The hospitality is wild, but um, you know, I'd like I'd like to go um, sleep in the woods and get really drunk, hang out with and, the peeps. Uh, yeah, throw up uh, some red wine.
2: Well, but it's it's so much more than that. I mean, I was talking to a lot of people around, and they were saying, "Oh, no, no, no! These people are here sometimes for two or three weeks. Yeah, like it's a big party and." The race is just something that goes on in the middle. They're like, yeah, some people come a week beforehand and then stay for a little while. Some people get there right before the race and then stay a couple weeks afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine... It's just a big party. I'd imagine
0: it's a lot like Nürburgring 24 or also Indy 500, you know, where, I mean, you've got the Coke lot where people are, you know, camping out and throwing up on one another for, Uh you know, a whole week ahead of the race and don't even know that there's a race car going on. But speaking of the Indy 500... Wait, wait. (laughs) We haven't talked about Fernando Alonso. Oh,
1: yeah. Jesus. All right. This this Le Mans segment is dragging. It's going on for a while. But I will say, uh, to Jimmy's point, um, I was at uh, Indy last year when Fernando was there and obviously changed the event, I think is a fair way to say it. People were... Uh, there were different people interested. We had what, like uh, three hundred thousand people watch practice on Thursday or something like that.
2: Well, he was rookie of the year when he didn't finish right. anywhere near.
1: Yeah, where the lead rookie finished. So that that was the story at Indy. It was very much the same situation at Lamar. Um, there was everywhere he went. There was a massive crowd of people trying to like, and this is, I don't really understand, but they're like trying to like zoom in, you know, with the cell phone, trying to get like a really blurry picture of the guy. Like you can look up pictures, like uh, great pictures of the guy. He's got headshots and the whole thing. If you just Google it. But really? um, yeah, but everywhere it was just like, Oh, not even let me get a picture with Fernando. Just let me get a picture of Fernando, like going about his business. It was really weird. Um, but definitely uh, was, it was probably, you know, uh, and interesting that we're saving this for the last, Moments of the Le Mans segment to talk about, but um, was kind of the story, you know. Like uh, when all the national news coverage that I saw of this um, was Fernando Alonso wins the wins Le Mans, which uh, you know that's kind of a interesting. Well, they read started writing the those plan. headlines on you
3: know a yeah. week before, you know it was. Yeah, but they're like you know three other
1: drivers in the car.
2: Well, like, yeah. it's <laughs> funny. I was with I was with Toyota. That you were with Porsche. I was with Toyota.
1: Did you get to hang out with Fernando at all?
2: Oh, yeah. that's. I mean, that's where I spent. He was in the cubby next door. Uh And uh, what was amazing was there was so much uh, anticipation with Fernando being there. Of course, he got tons of attention leading up to it. But Fernando uh, tweeted or Instagrammed something like, so happy to be a part of the winning team like 15 minutes before the race was over uh-huh. and everyone was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, Did you watch the race last year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so there was like, seriously, I was, you know, being with Toyota when it was the white flag. And then, yes, in fact, two cars did come through a few minutes later for the checkered flag. I mean, seriously, there was a palpable like sigh of relief, and then the cheers came. It was really
0: it was kind of an interesting moment. Watching TV, I mean, you know, like it it was like watching everyone at Toyota like you you could start to watch some other teams start to like pat each other on the back and kind of you know, but the Toyota guys were just like
1: glued all weekend to the screen. They just looked miserable. I mean, just like the whole operation, everybody was serious, everybody was super focused, but nobody looked happy. Nobody looked like uh it was We're like just out here having fun guys yeah right. it was, no, no, like, no, definitely it not was that. like everybody was on pins and needles the entire weekend well
2: i mean okay so this was their seventh time in this modern era because yeah. they'd been running since 2012 but this is like their i don't know what the number is exactly but like their 33rd attempt yeah. at winning le mans you know they tried in the 90s they tried earlier other times and they've never been able to put it together so, and this was the first time in decades that they've actually been able to pull this off. So
1: speaking of we're going to do, a, one of my patented uh, transitions here. Uh, you ready for it? Yes. So it's called a segue Ooh. in the business. Um, but speaking of a team that has, uh, you know, come to Lamar and uh been, been screwed out of winning in every conceivable way. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about a team. Uh, that has had a tremendous amount of success at Lamont. That's Team Yoast, who is now running an IMSA with Mazda. Um, I think we just recently had some guys from the team in the office here. Yes, we did in our Palatial Podcast Studio. We
2: went to the um, Palatial Podcast Studio Annex.
1: Actually, uh, yeah. we were the place one was booked. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we had an offsite with uh, the Team Yoast guys. Uh, like I said, running. Mazda's uh, DPI program and IMSA. Yeah, it was John Doonan and all four oh, the big boss. IMSA drivers. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great. Wow. Show. So everybody great was show. kind of on their best behavior. Great conversation. And of course, I've listened to this interview already, so I kind of know what's going to happen. I just don't want to give anything away. Um, but we're going to cut to that now. Uh, we'll do a little, uh, and then we'll be back to talk in a second about uh, Graham. Uh, Graham <laughs> so, Kozak. So, so Graham. Uh, just trying to figure out what what's the deal with, with Graham is. Yeah. That's oh, good. <laughs> He's a hard guy to pin down. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So let's go to that interview.
2: All right. Uh, this is Robin Warner, managing editor of AutoWeek. I'm back again and I am with no less than an entire quarry of Mazda people. This is amazing. We've got Oliver Jarvis, Tristan Nunes, John Doonan, Jonathan Bomarito, and Harry Tinknell of Team Yoast and Mazda here to join us. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having us.
6: Yeah, thank you. Pleasure to be here.
2: Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Okay, so you guys are now part of Team Yoast. Obviously, that's a team with some history. And you guys definitely made a splash by leaving Speed Source Racing and entering an agreement with Team Yoast. Can, can we start by talking a little bit about the impetus of that decision and why that all went down?
7: Well, I think uh, in the end, Mazda goes racing to put our brand in a positive light for our fans. Um, Mazda goes racing to see drivers develop their careers uh, from the grassroots levels to the upper levels. Um, and when you break it all down, uh, the success at the top levels of the sport Uh, In this particular case, our Endurance Sports Car Racing Program, it's about having uh, all the right mix in the car and the chassis, uh, the right mix in engine, uh, the right mix when it comes to the driver lineup, and ultimately uh, the right team to execute uh, to put us in a place to to win races. And um, we we struggled for several years, and... um, Somewhere along the middle of 2016, I uh, had a lot of time to think and, and started analyzing every aspect of the program. And uh, when you get an opportunity to align yourself with uh, arguably the greatest of all time, uh, you don't pass up that chance. And so the chance to, to partner with uh, Mr. Yost uh, and his organization, the people and the processes that they have in place, uh, was a very quick um, opportunity that came up and a quick decision uh, when we all sat together the very first time, there was a chemistry uh, from day one, and then um, we, we 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 got into the planning process. And after the team was set, we we analyzed drivers, and uh, fortunately, we've got a mix of uh, the guys that have been with Mazda through those steps of their career, and then a mix of you know someone with with Team Yost experience and Ali, and and someone that comes from our Multimatic relationship. So. Um, long-winded way of saying uh, you put all those pieces of the puzzle together and uh, that Team Yost opportunity about a year ago uh, we announced it uh, just a little over a little little over a year ago it's uh, it's been a great opportunity to, to take this program to a new level. Now I, you'll forgive me I want to go back in time just a
2: little bit once more Mazda's endurance racing uh, career recently has been just fascinating you know I still have extremely fond memories of the 787B winning Le Mans. To me that is still one of the coolest cars ever made. Yeah. And uh as a 2 RX7 owner myself in the past, love the rotary. And um when is it coming back?
7: Well, we'll, uh, well, we'll get to that. I, I okay. cannot confirm or deny any rumors <laughs> about the rotary uh, coming back.
2: Then. Um but more recently, you know, Mazda was, you know, in LMP2, different different LMP levels, and you guys were trying diesel engine technology and all these kinds of things. And throughout that whole history, you guys were with Speedsource Racing. There were just it seemed like there were just a lot of different innovations that uh, you guys tried. What what was it like going through that process these last few years that kind of led up to this Team Yoast partnership?
7: Yeah, I think a few years ago, uh, Jonathan and I stood in the Daytona garage and said, you know, we've shown up at this race for the last five or six years with something different. Um, And so uh, it's not easy. We've always had a philosophy at Mazda to race what we sell. Um, So it certainly made sense when we were running the RX-8s. Uh, after the, the launch of the RX-8 in 2004, we ran those in the in what is now the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. We had great success there with SpeedSource, w- which was a grassroots race team. Then we moved to the GT car, You know, one Daytona in 08, one Daytona in 2010, um, had a terrific season in 2010. I think we brought home all the trophies that year from Rookie of the Year to Team to Driver to Manufacturer. Um, then as always we sit with our executive team we look at the product that's coming uh, diesel was in mazda's plan with sky active technology um, a counterintuitive diesel that was very high compression and and all the things that uh, our engineers on the road car side uh, do to make our cars fun to drive um, and so that was the direction let's let's go make uh, the sky active diesel work let's use it part of the launch um, the launch has been delayed for, for lots of reasons, but uh, it is now uh, upon us. So to be part of that, to to do things on the racetrack that could potentially help improve the breed, that's always been part of our philosophy, then it was, hey, let's take uh, this road car engine into the prototype category and ask it to do you know, five times what it was designed to do in a road car. You know, it took 155 horsepower road car engine, and at the end of the prototype, we were making 515 horsepower out of that little motor. So we're really proud of those projects. Uh, at the same time, uh, when it's all said and done, we go to the racetrack to win races. And I think that's what this transition's been about. All of those projects had a start and an end to them. But uh, this one has a start and uh, a very focused uh, uh, target, which is to stand on the top step of the podium uh, at each race, but also to win championships. So you've been with uh, Team Yoast in the past,
2: Oliver, that's right. What What is it like switching from Audi Team Yoast
4: to Mazda Team Yoast? I think for myself, it was a very easy transition. And I think it's really been helped by the fact that, you know, we have the Mazda guys here in, in Jonathan and Tristan. You know, we have Harry from Multimatic. So we brought, you know, the, all the fractions of the, the team together in, in different ways. But, uh, you know, it's great arriving at a new team and yet knowing all everybody. You know, they were all familiar faces. So the the Mazda side was new to myself and Multimatic. But from the Yoast guys, I, I know every single one of them nearly from, from my days at Audi. And, you know, it's great to be working with them again. There's a reason they're the best in the business and they've won everything. And it's, you know, they prepare fantastic cars but it's the way they go about it and the the spirit and the the determination to win that makes them so successful so to have that carry over from the Audi days to now it's why I think we're all so confident that you know this this year okay we're slowly building on results but eventually we are going to be standing on the top step of the podium and you know I think the the project moving forward has so much potential to go on and win championships
2: so uh, Jonathan, Tristan you guys have been with Mazda for a while and you guys, from the driver point of view, what's it been like going from Speed Source to Team Yoast?
6: Ah, uh, for me, I mean, Ollie. One word that really stood out was uh, spirit. I, the guys, the the crew, everybody involved with the Mazda Team Yost, they just um, they're just so focused, and the passion to to win and compete is um, just really been an eye opener for me. Um, it's uh, it's very special to be a part of that, and um, you know, it, it makes you work harder your, yourself as a driver for for a team and a crew like that 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 want to work. I mean, there's no there's no complaining. There's there's no nothing. They they have a job. If they have to pull an all nighter, they get it done, and they are ready to race the next day, smiling and happy to do it. So um, that that transition has been uh, really fantastic to see, and you know, it's. Um, you Know, I had been with, with Mazda for a long time and with Speed Source for a long time, so it, it there always is that transition and a little bit of unknown and meeting new people and um arguably the best in the business people. Um, and so there was a little bit of that transition, but they're just guys and they just want to go to the track and they're passionate about racing and um embraced us you know tristan and i with open arms and uh given us the tools to to get better with them and so it's been awesome
2: so you guys were part of the hugging crew is that right tristan
5: (laughs) yeah yeah part of the the big hugging crew for me um (laughs) no the the biggest thing for me like jonathan said is the um uh the passion aspect aspect of it you know everyone um they they touch upon the the small things that make a huge difference like uh you know just you know knowing what what a team is you know everyone here is um you know within the first couple days of even just the drivers just getting to know each other we just uh, formed a really close relationship so um you know I think I'm 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 very blessed to have been with with Mazda since I was 17 I can't believe John took a chance on me being that young in a factory program like that um but you know I kind of look at it those, you know, and now what are you? Eighteen and a half. <laughs> <I guess? laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still a young guy. Of the team, 22 now, but still, you know, got like a brain like a sponge. You know, we have the some of the most talented people in motorsports, some of the best drivers in the world. I mean, I'm learning uh, so much every sing- single day from Oliver, Jonathan, Harry. I mean, these guys are just extremely fast, and you know, Jonathan's got uh, so much experience. So much. I mean, he teaches me stuff about life every single day, let alone stuff <laughs> in the race car. Um, but it's um, you know, it, it's been a really humbling experience to to have these these five years now. Um, you know, I, the first you know four years have been like a college experience. You know, learning a lot about just different parts of the program, engineering side.
2: I'm pretty sure your college experience is actually more fun
5: than uh, most people's <laughs> college
2: experience. I don't I, think finals I are
5: could, quite the same for you. I, I could 100% agree with that. Um, <laughs> but you know, not now. I'm now it's like being thrown in the real world. I've never been challenged um, like anything uh in, in my entire life. I mean I've I've been pushed uh to the max uh from the beginning of the year till now and it's um and I'm I'm very fortunate to have had those those years with Speed Source and um, you know just getting the chance to learn everything I can uh, until this moment it's really prepared me till now. That's great.
2: Yeah and now Harry, you you come from Multimatic. Multimatic's actually playing a really large role and it's really in a lot of ways a three way partnership and uh the, Multimatic's been more of the silent partner by comparison. But you guys are actually playing a huge role. So, what has it been like from your point of view being a driver connected to Multimatic?
8: Yeah, it's been fantastic. I think um, you know since Multimatic overhauled the car sort of halfway through last season. You know, new aerodynamics, new cooling, new suspension. uh, It's been uh, obviously you know massive updates, and these things take time to to work into the car, into the team. But we're really seeing the benefits of that now this season. I mean, we were very close to winning Sebring this year. We were. On the second row in qualifying at uh, Long Beach, and got the first podium at Mid Ohio. So I, I, you know, I'm really seeing that all those improvements are coming to fruition, and uh, being able to have access to the multi simulator, we go there before every race now and prepare. And you know, we're we're arriving at the track on Wednesday, and we've already been in race mode for two days. So I think as drivers, it's invaluable their their help and assistance and. You know working with multi guys across different programs you you know people in the team and you can it's it's made my transition into the master team yoast program very easy in the same way that you know ollie knows more of the, of the yoast guys and and together we've just pulled all that experience together and i think you know, us four drivers and Spencer and Rene who come in for the long distance races, we've, you know, we've, we've hit it off from the start. And uh, considering it's a brand new program, a uh, new team running it, uh, you know, it's amazing how quickly we've gelled. And uh, like I say, we're seeing results on the track now and that those results are only going to get better. We've barely scratched the surface. Uh, well,
2: you're, you're talking about results. You mentioned the first uh, few races and, you know, I, I, I did notice you didn't mention Daytona. Um I do wonder why. No, I actually (laughs) don't. Um, Part of it has been the expectations were so high. You know, Mazda's been hungry for years, as you said, John. And Team Yost, obviously, they have, what, 77 wins in the last four years. I mean, it's just like I'm making numbers up because Mm -hmm. their reputation is that sterling. So expectations were, you know, they were expecting uh, you guys to be on the top set of the podium, right in the bats, you and Penske running away with it, Cadillac nowhere to be seen, and we've already had, we've had a Nissan win, and we've had some Cadillac victories, and as you say, you've been building up, so there had to be high internal expectations as well. How the learning curve been? You know, because you all, you all talked about how great it is, and I think everyone else was expecting that.
7: Well, First of all, what we're doing is not easy. Um, what we did to transform the car from literally this point last year to where it is now, thanks to Multimatic, thanks to AER, thanks to the race team, um, you know, it, it's it's a massive effort. Uh, but yes, I told my staff and I told everybody in the program, you know, you think there was a spotlight on the program. Now there's LEDs on everybody. You know, it just was... uh, Think of the Singapore Grand Prix night race. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's about as much lighting. Exactly. And so you go into uh, the new season. We tested, um, what, 14 days, I think, between Daytona, Sebring, and what we did in Europe. Um, Then you show up at Daytona, high expectations. We go out for the first session. We're P1 and you know everyone's got this little spring in their step and then literally Jonathan goes to roll off the grid and the car won't go in gear and then it was just this absolute snowball of things that we had not seen in all that testing. So uh, was it pressure? Was it just by chance that those things happened? Um, We we immediately got everybody together uh, afterwards. Uh, I, I called it you know, the scenario for excellence and winning meeting. And we all flew to to London, Multimatic, the race team, the engine partner, myself, and we got a whiteboard out and went through all the issues. And I think what you saw at Sebring was a result of that. Everybody stepped up to the plate, said, I, I didn't perform here, we didn't perform here, we didn't perform here, we're going to attack these things. And, you know, with 40 minutes to go, we're leading the race. And, you know, so I think... The mindset that Ollie talked about, that Jonathan talked about, is all there. You just need to to work through the challenges, and um, you know when that when that day comes and we do stand on the top step, it's going to be a culmination of all of those meetings, all of those emails, all those conference calls, and frankly, all the effort that people at Speedsource put in. You know, it, this didn't happen overnight. Uh, we'd had a lot of learnings over the last few years, and when that day comes, there's going to be a lot of people to thank because. Uh, you know, it hasn't happened by just one individual. It's been a, a big process and a lot of people.
2: Yeah, right. And you know, there was definitely a bit of Murphy's law going on at Daytona. It seemed. Uh, I, you know, it's. I was. I was expecting. Um, you know, a, a can of spring-loaded snakes to pop out somewhere in the middle, <laughs> as uh, as the paint started peeling off or something. Um, and I wonder, was there an adjustment period between? From the Teen Yost point of view, Audi has a different culture than Mazda, and it was there an adjustment period from that point of view.
4: Yeah, I think that's a, a great point. I also think maybe heading into Daytona, outside expectations were slightly unrealistic, and and probably did a disservice to our competition because, you know. Yost are a fantastic team, but we're entering a championship or they've entered a championship with great teams already there. You know, ESM run a a great outfit with Scott Sharp. You know, you've got the Cadillacs with Wayne Taylor. They're already some fantastic teams doing a great job. So for Yost to just come in overnight and and blow everyone away is is slightly unfair or, or does a disservice to them. But I think what we saw is it takes time to gel. You know, the caddies in particular have been running for over a sort of year and a half even the Penske, let's not forget, they've had a, an Orica, which is already a, a chassis that's been running and, and won Le Mans, won races all around the world. And it's taken them sort of three, four races into the championship to go and win. So what it shows is the competition level within the championship. And these are teams that have been out in America for the last five, 10 years racing. And for Yost, they've come over from the WEC, the World Endurance Championship, and it is a different format. It's a different way of going racing. And there's definitely been an adjustment period and let's not forget, you know, the chassis is brand new, in theory. You know, we changed nearly everything on that car to go from where they were last year. Yes, they had podiums, but now, you know, the, the podium we achieved in mid-Ohio, we didn't sit in third and settle for third. We were going to win that race. We were pre- pre- pressurising the Penske cars. You know, we're taking the fight to them, so it, it's a completely different way of going racing this year. And, and like I say, there has been that, that period of, of learning, even for Team Yost, but Things take time, but I honestly believe like John, like the, the rest of the drivers, when that all comes together, we will win races. It's, it's just getting that monkey off our back. And, and once that happens, we'll go on to win two or three. Um, it's just taken longer than we'd all hoped, but it, it will make it more satisfying when it does happen.
2: Okay, so new cars, engineers, teams, yada, yada, whatever. Okay. Who has the better lunch buffet, Speed Source or Team Yoast? Because I mean, you are what you eat. What did,
7: what did Speed Source bring versus Team Yoast bring? I, I actually think that's about the only thing that didn't change. Uh, our chef and our hospitality uh, crew has been the most consistent thing that we've had over the last few years. So, um, you know, I still drink chocolate milk every morning. I still uh, catch these guys uh, sneak in a, uh, a chocolate bar uh, between meals, uh, which has become an issue because I fight with. IMSA for all this BOP and wait off the car and then I catch them at lunch uh, sneaking a snickers bar
2: oh man you
7: guys you guys are part of the BOP issue man that's, a, that's really something so
2: has there, there do you guys go into it with a different attitude I mean obviously you guys are wearing different shirts is there more stress less stress different stress you know now that you guys have a team that has this reputation how do you guys the drivers uh, let that affect you now I know you're going to say, oh no, it doesn't affect me. Everything's wonderful. But I mean, seriously, like, what's it like having to put on a Team Yoast uh, shirt and uh, feel those different things? Do you guys approach anything differently now?
4: I mean, I can't answer for the other guys, but there's expectation. You know, we talked about the LED lights. Now there is an expectation to go win. Um, I mean, maybe Tristan and Jonathan can touch on that. You know, we're expected to go out and fight for podiums, put it on pole and win races. So it's a different way of going racing.
6: I mean, there's no excuses, right? Mazda has put every resource in all the different partners that are all world-class partners. Um, you know, there's, there's no excuses on any anybody's level anymore. The drivers, the teams, the engines... All of that, we just have. Everybody has to go out and perform in their given roles, and you know, there's. I'm not going to say there's no pressure, and it doesn't get to you. I mean, that's that's our job. That's our our business. Is um, you know, it's a high pressure, performance based industry. So you know, you have to go out there and perform and do your job, or. You know, the bottom line is they'll find somebody else who will do it, you know, who will do that job if you're not. So it's definitely high pressure, um, but we're competitive individuals and that that motivates you to work harder and be better at what you do.
2: And from the other side, uh, Harry, uh, what's it like being with Multimatic and Multimatic was working with SpeedSource and now they're working with uh, Timios? What what's that experience been like?
8: yeah i mean i i can't really say too much on on the on from the speed source side but um like i say it's kind of it's been very seamless uh in the same way that we've all um you know got to know each other and, and become you know a team uh from a driving point of view and from the engineering side of things like the the multi-matic guys have, have really just slid into the into the team use team US program and you kind of see some guys wearing different shirts but at the end of the day it's all one team and we're uh like I say, we're just improving all the time and uh, I think from the Multimatic side, there's a massive will to get this car up the front end to be winning and, and, and we're getting there. So it's just a case of us now doing the business on the track. But like I say, every race we've learned a bit more and we've, we've got a little bit closer. So it's Ooh. coming.
2: Who had the better transporters? Does Team Yost have? Is their air conditioning a little colder? Do they have they have nicer waters? Do they have Evian instead of Kirkland water bottles. I mean,
6: actually, they have a lot of the sparkling water, which I sparkling don't really, really yeah. stand that sparkling water. Oh, yeah. I must say, our European friends—they all they have is sparkling
7: water. Yeah. <laughs> got to have they some had a fancy, on the race uh, they Come on, <laughs> pretty fancy coffee maker on that Yost
2: truck. Uh, okay, anyways. okay, so
7: the, we're, we've gone beyond crew egg
8: here, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> haven't we? Yeah.
2: yeah, it's you know. It, those are the things. It is interesting, though. It, you know, all of Team Yost's wins were with German companies, Porsche than Audi. And uh, I imagine there would be, a, you know, a culture built up around some of those things, and that would change. And I wouldn't I would, wouldn't be surprised to hear that there's more sparkling water in the transporter <laughs> and uh, things of those in nature. I I didn't assume that it was schnitzel everywhere all the time or anything like that, but... Um, it's those little things that you're like oh it's a little different and you like those little details you notice right yeah
7: they have actually a pretty significant fan base in japan so there was a part of the mazda announcement that uh, struck a chord with uh, yoast team yoast fans around the world uh, certainly all the folks at mazda knew the significance of of this relationship and so uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've all been able to go to Germany, be to the shop, um, test over there. Jonathan and Tristan got the chance to drive at Hockenheim uh, on our very first test, which was awesome. And uh, Short course and a long course. We ran the short, short uh, okay. because it was the only one available on short notice, actually. Mm. But um, the guys uh, have been very welcoming. Um, And I think the mixture of drivers, you know, we talked on the way over about our driver development program, which has been a key part of our strategy. Uh, We talk about pressure. You know, I'll I'll be honest, uh, Jonathan and Tristan uh, were under pressure. Uh, We did an an analysis of of our drivers, and I'm certainly very proud of our driver development program. When you got 25 of uh, 33 drivers in the Indy 500 that have come through a Mazda or Indy Lights program, you know, we're proud of that. But at the same time, when we're going to go win races, we need to analyze every aspect. And, and we asked Jonathan and Tristan to step up their game because we're bringing in uh, additional drivers uh, that, that have performed at the highest levels as well. Uh, as well. Le Mans victories, Sebring victories. You know, these guys won at the biggest races, and, and that's we wanted to bring in a mixture of that to, to complement the Mazda program. And I can tell you that I feel like we have the best driver lineup in the paddock. Uh, I'll put them toe to toe with anybody, and that's a mixture of, of what Ollie brings and Harry brings and Renee Rass brings and Spencer and Jonathan and Tristan. And that's no disrespect to anybody that's driven a Mazda a prototype in the last few years, but you know these guys stepped up their game, um, and and. You know, Harry said uh, they get on. They, they, these guys are like boyhood friends um, from the very first day. It's like they all been going to the stream fishing since they were little. Um, that's, that's how they act. Um, and that makes me Is really – Is that a new iPhone app to the stream <laughs> fishing? It's, I, I haven't heard of hey, that Hey, if it comes out, I, I want responsibility <laughs> okay. for that, uh, take credit for that. But, um, you know, that's part of it. Uh, these guys uh, spend a lot of time together uh, traveling. Um, analyzing data, and and we talked at breakfast this morning. Ollie said, you know, sometimes we sit down and we still challenge each other on the data. Like, you know, what are you doing there? You're way off the pace, or holy crap, I can't believe you did that flat. Um, That's obviously possible. I need to figure that out myself. So that's been a, a refreshing thing for me is to see this group gel. And um I, I have no doubt that they're capable of uh, of beating anybody in the business.
2: So you guys are here uh, mostly to talk with us, which we appreciate, of course. But there does happen to be a race uh, around the corner as well. Uh, you know, and the Detroit Grand Prix circuit uh, at Belle Isle is a pretty unique one, actually. It's fairly short, but it's multiple surfaces. It's quite bumpy. Some of the corners are quite slow, but you know there's some properly quick corners in this course so is there what 's it been like getting prepared for the Detroit race
5: yeah this this race is tough because um, you know there's no there's no simulator out there that has um the uh, belle isle grand prix on it so uh you know for the guys have never been here before it's it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve um i think this is one of the most challenging tracks we go to uh it's very technical like you said there's a lot of different service changes um if it rains we hope it doesn't but that would even make it even more challenging but um we have had some- why
4: why oliver why are you shaking your head <laughs> i thought the english loved the rain what's what am i missing here I like the rain. I like street courses. I just don't like street courses I've never been to and the rain together. And, you know, hearing, hearing tales about the track, one thing everybody says is how bumpy it is. Um, you know, Sebring, coming from Europe, we're used to, to very boring, flat circuits. And you come to America, and the one thing I love about these championships, the racetracks, and uh, it looks like Belle Isle is going to be another one. They're so challenging, and, and they're like old school tracks. You make a mistake, you get punished. But a street track like this extremely bumpy and uh, you know if we do have rain it just means that you're the tiniest mistake and you're in the wall so i think all the drivers will openly say they hope it's dry here this weekend well what about you john i mean you probably
2: have the most experience here as a driver at least in this room yeah uh at this track
6: yeah maybe uh trist and i both have been here a few times now so it uh it's it's a hard street course it really is I mean like you like you touched on there's uh, that turn one two complex is is very fast for a street course um, you go up over the rise right as you're exiting turn two the car gets light really you know it's I don't know, maybe it's over a hundred miles an hour there for sure. Tracking out right
2: by the well, wall, Well, I've done it at over um, 30 miles yeah. an hour and it's, <laughs> and, and yeah. it's fine at yeah. that speed. So that's a little advice I can offer you guys. <laughs> maybe slow it up just, a little just bit. Just slow yeah. it down a little bit. It's fine.
6: So, you know, the, the track it's, it's technical for sure. And, you know, bumpy and all those things, we lose one, you know, the IMSA series, our championship normally has three different classes the prototypes, the GTLM um, GT cars, and the GT3 GTD um, spec cars. So, um, yeah, that's
2: a GT Daytona. Yeah. And they basically run under GT3 rules. Yes, right.
6: exactly. Thank you for
2: simplifying it. <laughs> and um,
6: we, gtlm won't be with us this weekend although a lot of those cars are getting ready for le mans and so that's why they don't run on this weekend with us so we'll have a little bit less traffic to deal with but it's still uh, it's still very hectic out there and a lot going on um but uh, it's it's a fun one i mean it, it definitely is a hard race it's only an hour and 40 minute race most of our races are two hours and 40 minutes so it's an absolute sprint race um you know, you still do it with two drivers, so you have to qualify well. That driver has to start the race, and then usually the first uh, first pit stop, whether that's an early an early caution or you know you do a full fuel stint, you'll be doing a driver change, and the next guy will finish. So,
2: do you think uh, Detroit's a place where you can earn that first win? Yeah, definitely.
5: Yeah, I, I think so. We've we've had a lot of success at this track in the past. Uh, even last year, um, with the, the old setup of this of this chassis, um, we weren't that bad. And um, with with how this year's gone um, with the new updates, um, I'm very hopeful for this race for sure.
8: Yeah, I think we can do. I think we can do well for sure. We performed well at Long Beach last time, and as JB says. Um, you know, you only have to do five minutes, so I'm just going to do my five minutes at the start and hand over to JB and just watch him uh, <laughs> take the win and collect the trophy at the end. So that's my plan.
2: <laughs> I thought I was doing that. <laughs> we'll rock, paper, scissors for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in Detroit, uh, with the Grand Prix, with a lot of bumps, there's plenty of rocks so um, in the form of walls. So, John, what do you think? Do you think this is a good turnaround track for you guys? I mean, this is a compromised setup. You know, you can't go full arrow. you can't go full soft. So there's a lot of challenges. Yeah, it's Penske's it's, home track, effectively.
7: For sure. There's two things about uh, Detroit. Roger and Bud Danker and, and them uh, have done a fantastic job with this event. So kudos to them. Uh, so this is about Penske and certainly about uh, the folks that live in the Rensen. But um, candidly, <laughs> uh, I've been thinking about the day that we're going to win our first race for probably five years. And um, you know, I, uh, the post-race interview is already in my head. Um, I, this, this is. Uh, Do you want to
2: practice it now? Well, Please feel free. no,
7: I, I, I'd be jinxing ourselves. But uh, it's going to be an incredibly special moment. Well, remember, um, as our producer said, we have no viewers, so there's <laughs> nothing to worry about here. <laughs> no one, no one would know. Um, so, if it if it comes here, um, that would be fantastic. It's going to come when when it's right. Um, I can assure you that. The amount of effort and the amount of investment and the amount of uh, thinking time that 's gone into this for for so many people uh, it 's going to be a huge reward uh, when that comes for for tons of people and I have told the crew and i 've told the drivers and, and anybody involved that i, I just can 't wait to see the look on everyone 's face when that when that happens because when you work for something for so long and you know I can only make the uh, major sports analogy to like you know when Michael Jordan won his first NBA title with the Bulls. You know he just hugged the trophy because it's uh, it's a moment that you can't explain unless you've been in it and you've been in the thick of the tough times and also in the thick of the transition, which I think is why this one is so special because you've got a mix of both. You've got people that have been in the trenches for a long, long time, and then you've got people that came in uh, as a a support to make it and take it to the next level. Um, So yeah, I think we can win in Detroit. Uh, I thought we could win at Mid-Ohio, and I'm thinking every time we go out uh, for a session that we've got a chance uh, to put it uh, on the top of the the sheet. And um, we will win races and we will win championships uh, soon, and I hope uh, very often. Well, uh, just let me take a moment to tell you guys that you're a
2: big part of why IMSA's become so exciting to watch. You know, you guys are taking this much more serious, big track, high expectations, lots of light shown on you at the exact same time that Cadillac's been really strong. Acura is doing some really big things. IMSA in general with the DPI, this is the strongest IMSA lineup we've seen in years. So you guys are going out and trying to conquer it um, at a time when it's never been harder to conquer. And uh, for us fans, it's just been wonderful to watch, been wonderful to follow. So just uh, on behalf of all of our listeners, producer, um, I want to say thank you. Thank you guys very much, and I wish you guys great success. Thank Thank
7: you. Very
1: Thank you. Thanks very much. All right, so we're actually not talking about Graham. Uh, we're talking with Graham. I'm here now. Graham's here, uh, and uh, he has some things to say. Graham's actually uh, been thrown into kind of a chaotic time uh, by the loss of a Packard part
9: That may have never been on the car... In the first with. place, which raises a lot of real interesting questions about how I was able to do seventy-five, eighty miles an hour in that thing.
1: Which uh, which pack are we it's talking not about? That important. It's the fifty-one. So the teal car. Yes.
9: Yeah. So it's uh it's got an Ultramatic transmission, which is two speeds with a lockup, uh-huh. and apparently the thing that puts it into lockup mode is just gone,
2: or it was never there, huh? Uh, so you were going seventy-five, eighty, and slipping in, in second gear. And slipping, no,
9: just turning the engine over at speeds that Packard engines were not meant to turn over. Apparently,
1: I don't know what does that run at. Eight, well, that's what I mean by slipping. RPM? You're not yeah, fully yeah. locked up. Uh, the well, gear isn't so, fully engaged. So what you're
9: saying is it was yes, it was it was running like a torque converter automatic should have, but it didn't go into lockup mode.
1: Uh huh. So we're talking ten. Yeah, it's
9: it's basically 10, picture an S two thousand. With four uh. <laughs> extra cylinders, that's that's pretty much the Packard Flathead Eight right there. Yeah,
2: but the torque multiplication had right. to be crazy for you. I, 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 you were probably pulling some big stumps, right?
9: Yeah. Well, I there, we'll get into that some other time, but it's got a lot of torque. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of uh, trying to figure out what this piece looks like, so I can look in my garage to find it, so I can maybe go to the Packard meet without blowing up the engine.
1: Packard meet, and that's this weekend. That's next week. Next week. So. In Columbus, Ohio. Uh uh-huh. huh. Hmm. So that, from what I understand, is kind of more of a party than a car event. Uh, there's a lot of kind of debauched, uh, kind of like a, just a mess, like a Woodstock kind yeah, of deal.
9: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a bunch of partiers
2: with a car problem or whatever. Yeah, that's the Packard Club right. motto. <laughs> it's
1: kind of like. Um, Does
2: that mean it goes till four thirty in the afternoon instead when, of just uh, four? All
1: right. Let's not disparage no. the Packard Club.
3: I'm <laughs> not disparaging. I'm it, asking a question. It's
1: very
2: sensible. Um,
1: but, you
9: know, you got to go to bed early so you can get up early. And you right. got the whole day ahead of you yeah. to do stuff. Yeah. Packard stuff. Four thirty-five. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so you were though, uh, Jimmy, and, and you went to Grid Life on uh, uh, something that we, you know, old old uh, big fans of the podcast will know. Uh, Auto Week is is a media partner of Grid Life. We do some. Um, some work with them. They uh, they do a little promotion for us, and and we uh, cover their stuff and um, and send sometimes Graham and Jimmy uh, to Grid Life. So what what was the environment like there? Well, that was the uh, South Haven one, right? Yeah. So yeah. it was the one of the two
9: Grid Life festivals, which are um, you know there's they're multi dimensional. There's mm-hmm. track activities, and then there's uh, you know like the music festival component
1: of it. A lot like the Packard Meet. Yeah, pretty much. If you think about it.
9: Um, Less, less Glenn Miller,
1: more uh, sweater beats.
9: Whoever that guy was, yeah. Um, sw- well, cool
1: kids yeah. were there though.
9: Yeah, so so it's 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 basically a takeover of the South Haven one, a takeover of uh, Gingerman Raceway, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know. I got there on a Thursday night. It's kind of a you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday deal, and I got in the wrong line to uh, get in, and it was like a two mile line of cars. Uh-huh. just backed up of kids waiting to get in.
0: Were you in the Packard or were you? in? No,
9: no, I was in CHR, uh, Toyota CHR. Yeah. Toyota CHR. Same.
0: Okay. Yeah. Luckily though, you found the uh, partner and sponsor yes, line. But,
9: but I, you know, I was it's in line for like shorter. 15, 20 minutes and it was just not moving anywhere. And I'm like, that's when I realized this was, uh, it's kind of a big deal. I mean, it was backed up for miles of cars yeah I mean, people there trying were, to get
0: in. there were people talking about you know waiting in line for for three four hours which something is like that
9: yeah. that's great <clears throat> i mean i've never seen that at a car event kind of of any kind that kind of like you know hey let's drive to the middle of nowhere and then wait to get in so where were, were people from mostly
1: um like chicago yeah
9: i think it pulls i think the bulk of people uh there's a lot of south Southwest Michigan people, there, you know, Detroit or Southeast Michigan people, Kalamazoo, you know, Detroit, Battle Creek, Grand Rapids. There was the Grand uh, Rapids Subaru Club, but yeah, I mean, there were there were some people who later showed up at our uh, Cars in Corktown uh-huh. a couple of weeks later. So there was some Detroit presence, but yeah, Michigan and Illinois, you know, Chicagoland, some Indiana plates were seen. Uh, a couple competitors from Arizona, which was cool. Uh-huh. So.
0: Yeah, but mostly Midwest, it's it's definitely a Midwest. And, and actually a few Canadians come over, too, mm. you see a good amount of Ontario mm. plates. Huh. That's where a lot of the skylines, I mean, skylines at, at Gridlife were, like might as well have been like a like a Civic or something.
9: Yeah, like, like, you, like you stopped that's every, that's every, everywhere. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, it
1: was... Uh, too many skylines is what you're saying. No, no,
9: just the right amount. Yeah. But it wasn't like a weird, I think, Jimmy, you said, like you would have thought they sold them here. Right. Yeah. You know, if you had just been on the so, on the, so they had the
1: music festival, and then what else? What else is going on at this? So
9: time? there's there's uh, there's drifting kind of uh-huh. exhibition drifting um, with some pretty big names. Vaughn Gittin Jr. Uh, Tanner Faust eventually showed up. Uh, yeah, and Ryan Turk, uh, Chris Forsberg, just kind of mixing it up with the crowd after you know before and after, and uh-huh. then doing their thing and having fun because it's not really like they're competing for anything. So they're just
1: it's an exhibition. Ha- yeah, yeah, having
9: fun. Uh, there's there's a uh, high performance driving classes being taught throughout the day um, on the track.
1: Bring your own car.
9: Yeah, bring your own car. Um, different levels of, of that, and then uh, there's there's time attack, which is I think that that's kind of that's yeah. kind of the signature part of it. Yeah. Um,
0: so they they have their so there's the festival right, which is all of those things plus uh, a a music festival component. And um, you know, and you've got food stands yeah. and vendors. vendors and all sorts of things, but um, there generally the, the most of the track stuff that they do throughout the year is time attack and HPDE, um, which is high performance driving education. And something I think is really cool about how they've set it up is that the HPDE is set up so that anyone can show up, you know, just like any normal HPDE session. You can show up with your car regardless, it could be a fit, it could be your your mom's Volkswagen, or it could be your Mustang or whatever. And you get to go out on track and you get solid, good instruction um, from more experienced drivers um, and race car drivers, um, you know, more amateur and pro-am drivers. Um, and then the way that they've set it up is that immediately following is the Time Attack. And for those who aren't familiar with Time Attack, it's probably the easiest way to to describe it is um there are multiple classes of cars they're all competing for um a track record um for whether it's uh depending on the level of modifications and drivetrain um but then you can basically go from yourself
1: trying to set a fast time right right
0: and it's like an extended qualifying session so you're always going for that fastest lap um but you can go from the top level of HPDE straight into Time Attack pretty much, which is a really cool thing because actually getting into competitive track driving can be kind of a daunting task. Yeah. So they've kind of provided this neat structure for people who, you know, you know, like their idea is people come to the festival, they party, they hang out, they check out cars, driving fast, which is awesome, and they think, I could do that. Um, and a lot of people do and
9: it because it's not wheel to wheel it also takes that intimidation and potential expense factor out of it right. which like makes the, it more the chances accessible. of getting
0: taken out by some guy who missed his braking zone is is lesser much much less, yeah,
9: but they they kind of run these events throughout the day, so every every so often the drift cars come out and then you know it's interspersed throughout the day, so there's always something interesting going on on track. it's always a different batch of cars um which has got to be fun for both the drivers and definitely the spectators because there's there's always something interesting happening for the three day period well either on the track or off
1: the track do they um, do the um the spec fit uh they do thing still. Yeah, was they, that out they,
0: there? Yeah, there were there were a, like a handful of yeah that seemed super you rad. You know, I was talking to one guy. He, you know, because um, you know we have Auto Week stickers on a lot of the cars on the Time Attack cars, and he actually apologized to me. He was like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I actually took my stickers off because um, I'm like the I live in a really small town, and I daily drive my Fit, and I kind of didn't want everyone to just." you know, think I'm, I'm a guy with just a bunch of stickers on my car all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was
9: the crazy thing about it to me, which I wasn't really expecting, because people take this varying levels of ser- seriousness, but there's plenty of really serious contenders who are building out their cars for events like this, and a huge number of them had license plates on them. Mm-hmm. You know, they were daily drivers or, like, at least regular drivers for a lot of people there. But de- definitely not trailer
2: queens is no. what you're getting at. no. I
9: mean, there were cars that were track only. There were cars you... Could, but probably wouldn't want to drive daily. But there were a lot of people for whom this was like,
0: yeah, this is my regular driver. Yeah, and he, I'm also of, tracking it. One of my uh, favorite drivers to watch is a guy named uh, Jackie Ding in the S2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I think he runs in like the street or the street modified class. Um, but I mean, I when I went to my first event down at Mid-Ohio, you know, I sent you a picture of him driving down the highway yeah. with his S2000 and like a tiny little tire trailer stuck you know stuck to the back of the car so and he drives that car really fast and it's it's cool to see um it's cool to see people putting that kind of commitment in and it's also worth mentioning that like you know when they talk about track records um the actual production car track record was completely crushed. Yeah, on that Thursday. By 3 seconds. So just that, just before I got so there. You're talking about at Gingerman. At Gingerman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was uh Will Young, yep, the uh In his Canadian Honda Civic. driver <laughs> vibrant Civic
9: with, you know, the full on aero dive. Oh plane. yeah, I, I mean this is
0: production car is um, is a... Uh, loose term. Loose term. He Previous said he, uh, record holder, I think, was Jake Lingaman. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a so, the, so the record ACR. was crushed by about 20 seconds. Yeah.
2: yeah uh, <laughs> well, there was... a he, I, on, on, at, the, at the old configuration, Gingerman... So Gingerman has an extension that was added to it a few years ago. The old configuration had... A track record that definitely was not broken because that was adrian fernandez in an indy car and he and he did a lap not much over a minute it was like a minute seven or Tell him to get back there mm-hmm. yeah. yeah
0: well this was so the, they broke the production car and that was ace the the viper acr um and they beat that by three seconds so it it's was crazy. like a 123.6 yeah. or something yeah. something like that <clears throat> yeah which, which is, is really impressive. Cool. running his impressive. backup engine yeah which running a mere <laughs> 700 horsepower
9: um <laughs> uh, but yeah i think the 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 wild thing for me is especially as somebody who's more used to the uh Packard meat style mm-hmm. events mm-hmm. was uh you know you hear about like oh Bonneville back in the day or like what CCA racing was like or you know when everybody who was doing it was young and had a lot of energy um and i imagine this is probably the closest we're going to see like this is that energy granted the cars are different uh but that energy and then the uh, nights of like partying, getting up after waking up in the middle of a field and then doing it again for a couple days because this is like your scene and you're totally into it and everybody around you is into it. Like, I, I love the energy there. Um, and how many people would you say were there? <sighs> I couldn't get an actual number, but like between Thousands. eight and 10,000. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, they said basically... Probably more
1: people than live in South Haven. Yeah, they've been doing uh, it comfortably, for I think. <laughs> five
9: years and it's basically doubled in size every year. Wow. And now they're kind of bumping up or probably at the limit of what South Haven or Gingerman can accommodate mm-hmm. um, as evidenced by the massive lines to get in. But uh-huh. I mean, it, it's one of those things where you go and okay, even though the music isn't really, like that's not what I listen to normally, mm-hmm. it's not the cars I'm into normally, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you go and you're like... They get it, they understand they they figured it out why it didn't happen earlier. I don't know. Um, a couple of the guys from Arizona I was talking to are like, yeah, we go to drift events and stuff locally, but there's nothing like this even on the west coast, which kind of blows me away like the the organizers really hit on something, and uh, yeah, I'd love to see it grow it, It's cool,
0: it's- yeah, and I, th- I think one of the things too is that you know, like my perception of it, you know, for the last few years was kind of like, you know, it's more the party than the, than the racetrack. And, you know, going there, like even the people deep into the party zone, you know, are are knowledgeable and are just as deep into the race, totally into it. And they know, you know, what turbo a certain Subaru is running or, you know, like different tires and like what track tires. Did you see any like like uh, exotic uh, vape technology there? We saw a variety oh, of vapes. Oh, there was, um, but there we were did were some see,
1: pretty impressive rigs,
0: but we I would yeah. see What, one, I, I thought you were going to say exotic cars. No, I'm, uh, vape pens. I like figured a, out yeah. that,
9: like, okay, so everybody, mo- you know, there's the whole, like, vape Subaru connection. Uh-huh. People like to mod their Subarus. Yeah. And what is a vape, but kind of, a of like cigarette a, that you can mod right it's perfect damn. it's yeah. like <laughs> you know you get to build it out exactly how you want yeah. i think like i it's it was a stupid realization but i think there might actually be something to that like it's like people get really into building out their vape rigs yeah. and whatever that's cool there was a lot of that though i didn't think like they probably kinda, they probably didn't need smoke machines at the yeah. at the yeah. <laughs> party on, i mean there were just like plumes of weird cotton candy I'm a, smelling stuff. I don't
1: stuff. know if I said this earlier but I'm a Rothman's guy, like uh, <laughs> Rothman's cigarettes. So the vape thing has kind of eluded me so far.
0: But yeah, I thought it was like as we were having the discussion uh, about like how it's kind of like the the stories you hear about the old school SECA and stuff. You know, we're we're like completely covered in a giant vape plume or cloud or uh-huh. whatever and you know I was thinking, you know, I I don't think that the the SCCA meets in the '60s smelled like cotton candy. Yeah, they were they know?
1: were uh, smoking that ditch weed. That yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back in those days, it just smoked like a whole joint, huffing nitromethane. All. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, Different set of smells. Same, yeah. same yeah. vibe, Same uh, so, spirit. Uh, okay, Graham, let me put it to you like this. I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. Sure. So cost is equal. You have uh, the opportunity to go to a Grid Life event. Uh, or a Packard club meet and at the same time you can't go to both. What are you doing?
9: I mean, so I've never managed to make it to a Packard club meet, uh-huh, and I might not again if I can't find this part that may have never been on my car
1: right because this could be the last one, yeah,
9: it could be um <laughs> well, I'm just since I've never gone to, I gotta go to a. I gotta go to at least one Packard Club meet it's eluded me
1: um, but so if you make a different decision in your life if you uh, if you would choose the Grid Life thing now there are events you can get to this year correct there are remaining events this year that you could go to yeah I'd, I'd go there's a uh, this is not a hypothetical Gridlife grid South one <laughs> yeah, I'm there. saying it's
9: Grid Gridlife
2: yeah.
9: <laughs> grid South in Atlanta at Road Atlanta
2: is August 24th and 25th which is a uh, fantastic yeah. racetrack by the way, yeah. right, so, so, it's a and great I mean talk about talk
0: about stepping it up too and growing, right? You know, from Gingerman, you know, Mid Ohio is a big track, but you know, you look at Gingerman a or Obon, a- yeah. you know, the yeah. club tracks, and I mean now at, Atlanta's. I think this is going to be its third year, so I'm, I'm you know, that's going to be a big growth. Point. Is there a
9: spot people can learn more about Grid Life? Like, yeah. No, yeah. They, weirdly enough they don't have a website or any social media presence. I was hoping that it be it'd be on
0: our website somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. autoweek.com/ but, slash, you know. Well, you, learn more so there are a couple places dot. you could you could check out. You could check out um gridlife.com mm-hmm. or no, grid.life. It's grid.life. Grid. Yeah. Um, yeah. or you can check them out on Facebook and also if you're curious about Time Attack, um, you can check out all of their results and event coverage on autoweek.com.
9: That's good. But I will say everybody I saw there including the like few guys who are over 40, 45 who also stood out and go to a Patrick but like, but they stood out like yeah. Like wow, there's a there's like an adult here. Uh, everybody was having a good time. Like I talked to a guy who was like, "Yeah, my son dragged me to this. I'm more used to like going to the Indy 500, but I'm definitely coming back and bringing friends cuz this is awesome." And he was like, you know, videotaping or videotaping he was <laughs> yeah, t- taking videos yeah, of it on his Packard phone and yeah. uh <laughs> like sending it to his wife at during the drifting yeah and just I think like, I am picturing a handy cam over
0: yeah, his shoulder it, though it's just kind of but just to kind of close it out you know but it's I was talking to one of the organizers you know and they're all total diehard track track rats um and uh you know but it, I was kind of talking about how you know I had had certain perceptions going into it and those had completely changed. And they were like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, you've got all of these different groups of people. You've got the drift guys. You've got the time attack guys. You have, like, track rats. Um, you've got some racers in there. You've got just people with stanced cars, show cars, um, muscle Club. cars, yeah. Packard Club members. Yeah. Um, Represent, man. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone is still just having a, a good old... A good old time, even in the depths of the party zone. You know, it was still especially uh,
1: in the depths. Yeah, they were. You know, they're yeah.
0: definitely having a good time, but everyone's just kind of happy to be there and h- happy to be hanging around cars and talking, talking cars. It makes you feel good. Uh, it doesn't make you feel good.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, nice. real quick to finish up, uh, we have a, a segment at the end that you may uh, remember from previous episodes. the The car review segment uh, this year, uh, this time we have Robin. Who drove uh, a couple of cars? He so drove the Project 8 uh, Jaguar. The Jaguar XESV Project 8. Uh huh. Project 8. And then you drove the 488 Pista. Yeah. Um, any good? Yes. Okay. Uh, that wraps it up. So uh, thank <laughs> you for joining us for episode number 32. Um, like and subscribe. No, Robin, I, I'll give you some time to. I thought you're just not going to jump in there. No, yeah, the he was giving it to you. Yeah, I,
0: I, I was kind of curious to how see you it, were maybe. Gonna,
1: yeah. So, Project Eight—that's the XE, right, with the
2: big motor. Yeah. So, hot rod. It's just this bonkers jag. They're only building 300 of them. Uh-huh. And Sold out. No. Really? No, you can still get them. They're 1885. <laughs> That's yeah, out of my range. And uh, guesstimating here, but we're expecting about 75 of the 300 they built to come to the US. Uh-huh. Or not even the US, So there's North still time, America. There's still time you can get one. There you can still get one. Uh, uh-huh. you know, so check your pennies, and uh, maybe run through your couch, but uh Lightstream uh Lightstream financing
1: right now. Yeah, it's financing
2: for almost anything. Yeah. It's uh it's 600 horsepower, well, 592 horsepower, mm-hmm. uh, 600 metric horsepower, supercharged 5-liter V8, all-wheel drive, 8-speed automatic, but it is all geared towards just being crazy good on the track. So, you know, big carbon uh, ceramic brakes, uh, Michelin Sport Pilot Sport Cup 2 tires, uh-huh. a big wing on the back, a real splitter re- uh, in front. Um, pretty cool. It looks, it definitely looks cool. Yeah. I, it's got
9: that interesting front end treatment with like the holes instead uh-huh. of the big, like yeah. the little like speed
2: holes almost. Yeah. Right. It almost looks like a cheese grater oh, in yeah. front. I'm and sure Ian Callum would be really happy that, to hear you that say really, that. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say <laughs> that really got like that. me yeah.
0: uh, really going. But. Well, a well, lot of times you know, I'll like look a, at a car and I'll
1: like, be like, oh man, I wish this looked more like a cheese grater. Well, this you're saying? But no, this, I mean, this car. I mean, some people really like grading Ian. Obviously, had something to do
2: with it, but this car really was, Ian had to take a back seat, and this is what the engineers wanted. Uh-huh. And so, really, if you want to complain about design, you talk to the engineers, which I'm sure a lot of people would be happy to and complain then, can, to engineers and, about design. They don't care. But, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, make yeah, a habit but, of talking to engineers. They, um, You're but, the only one I talk to. I know, and, and begrudgingly at that. Uh, the uh, Everything that went into the car is just kind of focused on making it you know, a real- driving machine type of thing. Um,
1: what's Isn't really a quote We could put on like the, the commercial. I'll pull that out. Yeah. On yeah. the cliches, <laughs> no. cliches
2: board. No, but like the, the most frustrating thing about it is they've got this super cool option track pack. It's uh no rear seats. There's a factory roll bar in it, four points. Um, and even a, even a fire extinguisher system mm-hmm. built in uh, it takes 27 pounds out of the car. I think, and um, gives it that even that more hard edge feel. Not allowed to sell it in, in the, the United States, States or right. Canada. You can have a roll bar,
9: right? Why don't right. they do the? Why don't they do like the demon crate thing where they will sell you all the?
2: They'll Be- sell you the lack of seats. I think the, you know. I think <laughs> you, you a crate you can put yeah. the seats in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the demon crate for a dollar is a really cool setup. And you know, I think I think you just got to more than anything give FCA credit for the innovation to have the demon crate than ping Jaguar for. I think for them it was like we're only building three hundred, let's just just leave it at that yeah. and keep it simple. But yeah, it's a great car to drive on track. It's you know, it's totally different than the Project Seven. The Project Seven was more like a, hey, look at our parts bin thing we did and we made this beautiful car, you know, a little more special than this one was. No, we gave engineers time and money to make something because the XE platform, the the chassis that it's on is is their like newest and stiffest Yeah, so it's pretty good yeah it's 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 a lot of fun the um ferrari was you I were mean,
1: over in uh marinello then
2: i was in marinello drove fiorano uh-huh. i mean did all first the time first time yeah did all the classic ferrari things which is an amazing thing to be you, able to you, do
0: do you, the... do you eat at the restaurant yeah yep, yeah yep, yeah yep, yep, at the montana in oh, the yeah. montana it's yep.
2: like
1: oh man have some good meats there yeah it, meats. it was it exquisite yeah, yeah it was very
2: good i although i will say and this might anger some I was kind people kind of hoping it was kind of like a it's not that good it's
0: not it's yeah, not, it's I, I was, not hoping it was it like didn't roma you know up the,
2: it's good it's it didn't uh, yeah, it didn't blow me uh, away it's not like this is like no but it's cool to be there basically they yeah. yeah. I mean, didn't even offer breadsticks the endless breadsticks situation is yeah about the sticks disappointing tour of italy or whatever but the the pista that is 710 horsepower mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. very lightweight it's uh-huh. real downforce i mean what you know, is pista? 500, 500 pounds of downforce at 200 kilometers an hour 124 mile 124 miles an hour that's sizably more than the porsche 911 gt3 rs what uh what does pista mean pista is italian for track uh-huh. and it was really cool because there' was a sign as we drove in called pista di Ferrano and uh-huh. I was like ah ah so then hey I got then it. Put it together yeah and uh and the, but the the Ferrari it's interesting because the the foot pedals are really the brake and the gas are super close to each other Uh-oh. so I might I had my, I had my but slammed against the center tunnel as hard as oh, I could. Oh, you got to get and the I skinny still, shoes. I yeah, still well, nicked the corner so of the brake of the.
1: Uh, uh, weren't wearing loafers. So you spun it out and.
2: No, 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 no. I uh, kept the car pointed in the right direction, uh-huh. but so
0: actually, so, like something I've been wondering. This is more of a four eight eight question in general. Uh-huh, maybe. Uh huh. But the uh, like the sound of the car though, and the turbos and stuff. Is it still like it pretty good? It still sounds as good as a. And a it's
2: V8. it's not as good as the Ferrari four five eight in terms okay. of sound, just the sound though,
0: I would say. Yeah, but, the sound, I'm uh, I'm only talking about the sound. Yeah,
2: but the um the pista motor is mm-hmm. fifty horsepower stronger and eight decibels louder than the GTB, which is the standard four eight eight.
0: Well, the eight decibels is what matters.
2: So the eight, so yeah. it's much louder. It's throatier. I mean, how for many, a turbo motor, it's really how really many good sound.
0: Decibels is eight.
2: It's also uh, that those actually carry over. No kidding. Unchanged, believe it or not. Huh. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm amazed you'd, you'd know that.
2: Well, I'm. He is an engineer. <laughs> well, I kind of. I mean, just kind of, you know, Mr. there's Pricey, a lot. There's a, a music lot about sound. Yeah, I don't it know. It wasn't
0: in the engineering part, the music engineering part. Did you do music engineering? No. Okay. That's why I don't know that. Um,
2: But yeah, so it was pretty good. It was incredible to drive. What was interesting is the Ferrari took some time to get used to. There's that braking, yeah. brake throttle thing I was talking about. I was wearing normal shoes, which, like, yes, uh, I should have been wearing.
1: Ski boots. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I should have been wearing tiny little loafers or racing shoes or something. Uh-huh. And uh, also... With a helmet on, yeah. I was I was bonking and my head. And you're a big guy. You're what six eight? You go about six seven? Yeah. Yep. 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 But we're metric height again. Uh-huh. No, it's actually five foot eleven. You're five eleven. I'm five eleven, mm-hmm. and I'm
0: I'm about average torso mm-hmm. to leg ratio. I'd mm-hmm. say so. So in other words, like I I could not drive that car.
2: You could drive that car. You just have to get your hunchback. Can't wear a helmet. Really I get my sun- hunch on. No helmet. Yeah. no helmet.
0: No helmet. Who needs them? Right. So just don't crash.
2: But but the, but the car is so good. You're like well. I'm clearly, I'm at fault for this. I can't blame the car for this.
1: And probably you'd have like a different seat, right? Like if you're a tall guy, you can get like a different seat for that car.
2: I'm sure there's options. I mean, the the Ferrari, starting price for the Ferrari is $349,000. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. It's more than I make in a year. (laughs) I mean... It's it's more than most people make, yeah, yeah, for most period of some time. Yeah, so I, it, but it, it was it it is once you get used to that car, and it takes more time to get used to. Like Porsches, one thing that they're incredible with is like you can feel comfortable in a Porsche right away, almost regardless of what it is. Uh-huh. The Ferrari. There's some sacrifices. little esotricities. You got to get used to these different things, but once you do, yeah, it's near magic.
1: So you drove that. You drove the GT2 RS recently.
2: Yeah, I drove. I drove the GT2 RS. Drove the GT3 RS. Yeah, and then this project eight. And so
1: your money, buying a car, got to figure out which uh, which car you want.
2: Oh, of of all the ones I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Money no object, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean. The Ferrari would be really hard to pass up, mm-hmm. but I feel like if I have enough money to buy such things, I might ultimately have more fun in the GT3 RS.
1: Wow. So, uh, Robin, that's Robin. I'm reporting from his first and last uh, <laughs> Ferrari trip. The guy likes uh, his Porsches. Yeah, man. Uh, the Ferrari was really, 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 really good. But not good enough for your money. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I, if, if you're me, listening, Krista Florin, uh,
2: <laughs> if, if money were no object, I would definitely buy both.
1: Okay. That's oh, a good recovery that's nice. there. Yeah. Uh, so that is it. Get on the, uh, iTunes, give us a, uh, five star rating. Uh, that's five stars, uh, in SAE. Uh, yeah. Metric is still five. Okay. Yep. To so the same number of stars, then, uh, depending no matter where you live in the world. Um, so give us that rating, give us that review. Um, Wesley will send you some stuff if you uh, if you want to claim it. Wesley will send you some tools. He's got a bunch of really amazing stuff, uh, both um, his personal stuff and stuff that's supposed to be given away. We can we can send you some of Wesley's clothes if you want. You want the hat? You want I mean.
2: The, to be totally honest, his cube's not that clean. We could it's we disgusting. could do a lot of work.
1: It's disgusting. Yeah. We could send you the old mic that we used to do this podcast on. <laughs> um, that's sitting over there. Um, so anyway, uh, what else do I have to say, Wesley? Like, subscribe. Oh, yeah, you can get the magazine uh, if you want the magazine. You can go to the website, leave mean comments uh, on anything that we wrote. Um, 60th anniversary issue coming up Yeah, Ooh, that's shit, a big why didn't we talk about that? That's next podcast Okay, next podcast, you're going to have to join us right here Because we're going to talk about the 60th uh, anniversary issue of Auto Week 60 years, 6-0 six that's, um, that's a long time, folks And there's going to be a lot of really great stuff in that magazine